Welcome to Gather Influence Podcast. My name is Vanessa Hoyes and my amazing co-host Kathy Ostopchak and I have the great honor and privilege of doing life with such phenomenal girls through the Gather Voices cohort. You've been hearing all season from them and today you get to hear from Claire and Stacey, two key stakeholders in the vision and mission of Gather in Canada here. And they have great conversations on their podcasts and really speak into the the power of the female voice and her place in the kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. So enjoy the podcast today. And those of you that are prayerfully considering our Gather Voices coaching cohort to raise and release the voice of the female church, make sure you sign up as we launch in June a brand new cohort for 2022. We've got guest coaches from all over the world, key voices again that will come and pour in monthly into what is on your life and within your heart that needs to come right to the surface of this season. So enjoy the conversations with Claire and Stacy. And again, as you're listening, consider your place in this story and your voice and where God is calling you and inquire about Gather Voices Coaching with us. We'd be so excited to track the next six months with you. Love you girls. I'm glad to be here with you today uh, to talk about how we mute our voice. During a recent Gather Voices cohort in 2021, a group of us began to uncover challenges and obstacles to using our voice, and one of them was um, how, how the voice is muted. I personally have struggled with this for uh, quite a long time, and so thought it was interesting and uh, decided to do a little research into what it actually meant to mute something. And I think, um, you know, I think about a soundboard and you push the mute button and, and someone's mouth can still be move, moving, but, but nothing is coming out. Um, we can turn the volume down on something. Uh, we do different things throughout our life to mute things, uh, mute sound. And so it was interesting to me when I looked it up to, to mute something is to refrain from speech or to be temporarily speechless. As a verb, it means to deaden, to muffle, or to soften the sound of something. What it actually means is that there is sound that is decreased or has the intensity and the strength of that sound reduced. I thought this was interesting because um, when I look at this from like a, a, a ministerial or vocation, a spiritual gifting um, kind of aspect uh, as a communicator, one of the ways that I have either aided the enemy or the enemy has stepped into this space is through muting my voice. When it comes uh, to, to standing up and saying the things that I know I need to say, to publishing the written material that needs to be published, I find that I, I mute myself out of fear. I mute myself out of, um, out of, out of disobedience um, and out of insecurity and disbelief. I mute myself out of um, narratives that others maybe have projected on me. It comes from my inner critic. Um, I am an Enneagram one and uh, the inner critic is very loud uh, in, my, in my voice. So I thought we might talk for a little bit about what it meant um, to have some insecurities and, and disbelief around your voice, what maybe some of the narratives that might be projected onto you that would mute your voice um, would sound like. Um, 
what happened uh, biblically where we can see that people have tried to mute themselves and then how we can how we can overcome this so uh, excited to dig into it uh, with you a little bit so what I've experienced between the insecurity and disbelief is one sort of like Moses saying to God like why why me I'm not ready to speak Lord and and the Lord says to him, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking you to come up with your own words, Moses. I'm asking you to speak what I tell you to speak, and I'm going to equip you to do that. And I can understand where Moses is coming from, because once a word is spoken, you can't take it back. And often the profoundness of what God calls some of us to say puts us out there a little bit farther, target a little bit bigger, and it requires a little bit more faith. And sometimes for me, those are things that waver uh, in my humanness, uh, absolutely. One of the ways that I discovered that I um, mute myself out of a disbelief that I am the one that should be speaking is uh, if I am um, at a, a speaking event or have an opportunity, I often will volunteer to just be the host, you know, play Ellen, or I will actually give the mic away to someone else, like physically remove my ability to speak. Um, so I will muffle my, my voice that way. I will refrain from speaking. Uh, I will make myself temporarily speechless and withhold something that should be spoken. Um, so I, yeah, I function as the host and not the key speaker uh, because I am learning um, that there have been narratives projected onto me that have fed those disbeliefs. And some of these narratives um, are from other women throughout my, my life at different times. Um, and in their own, in their own, lack of maturity or the space where they were growing through. Some of the things that have been projected onto me would be um, telling me that I need to share the spotlight that I've been given. And while I don't look at the responsibility of a teaching gift or a speaking gift as a spotlight, as some would see it, um, I actually would prefer not to be put in the spotlight because the risk and responsibility that goes with teaching and with sharing the word is oftentimes far greater than I want to take on. But I also know and function in the fact that the disobedience and not stepping into that space has far greater risk than not doing it all. Another question I've, I've had to answer before is, well, why you and not me? Why, why do you, Stacey, get to speak and, and, not, and, and not the other person? And I don't have an answer for this question because I, I would willingly give up that spot because I, again, I take on the fullness of the responsibility of that position. An example of this actually where I have muted myself was uh, in 2020 at a Gather Women uh, leadership networking event. The room was full. Uh, jo Saxon was there. She was on the panel. I was a new intern. Um, Kathy was leading a little panel and asked about where we saw women's ministry going and what drew us to this leaders meeting. And I remember standing at the back. I was standing behind Helen Burns, I think. Like, and, and if you if you recognize any of these names, you know, like the the what I would say is some greatness in the room. I was happy to stand at the back of the room and just soak up what these women were saying. But I had an answer for the question, but I also thought, you know, I'm just going to sit and listen. Um, not every voice needs to be heard all the time. I'm, I'm sometimes told, you know, less is more. Um, and, and I like to wait and listen to what everyone else is saying. And so I, I felt that nervousness from the Holy Spirit that I get. I felt that like, you know, sweaty palm, make me a little twitchy kind of feeling. And but I kept fighting it and saying, you know, there's a room full of, of, of voices here and, and perhaps someone else is struggling with needing courage to speak up. And so I'm just going to be quiet a little bit longer and a little bit longer and a little bit longer. And before I know it, Kathy asked me 
a question and she just looked me square in the face and said, Stacy, why are you here? And I, you know, was flabbergasted and had to think sort of quickly on my feet, but I had already, I had the answer. I just wasn't brave enough to speak it at the moment and had chosen to mute myself at the back of the room. And so I'm grateful for her taking her own prompting and asking, asking me that question. Another way that I um, have muted my voice is not believing the gift that I've been given. And so when I've asked for feedback at times um, from other communicators that I appreciate and look up to, I remember saying to one of them, like, do I actually have this gift? And he just looked at me and shook his head and said, you know what? I wouldn't put my time into helping you if this wasn't actually a gift. And so even then, I've been affirmed, yet the disbelief um, that I carry mutes me. One other way that I have experienced my voice being muted, um, and this one was a little bit more extreme, and I've also come to understand that muting is a way of actually paralyzing um, a person from stepping into uh, what, what they're supposed to do, what they're supposed to say. So when we, we talk about it refraining speech um, or deadening or softening, it's actually something else that binds you up, I think, and actually paralyzes you from action. And so one night I was lying in bed with an incredible inability to speak. Uh, I sensed uh, some spiritual attack was happening and in the midst of it, uh, in back stories, my husband's a, a shift worker and I was uh, at night alone uh, sleeping in the house and shut the house down by myself, gone to bed. Um, anyway, I'd been sensing some spiritual attack in um, coming up to this, this evening and woke up in the middle of the night with just this incredible heaviness and op wanted to open my mouth and just speak the name of Jesus over my house and my kids laying in bed there that night and actually couldn't. Like I opened my mouth and no sound came out. And so I just repetitively said the name of Jesus in my head, but desperately wanted a, a sound to come out of my vocal cords um, and I couldn't. Uh, and it wasn't until, um, it, it, like it took quite a, a few minutes for me to finally sit up in bed and finally speak and say, you know, in the name of Jesus, I claim this house um, and, and you have no authority here in the name of the Lord. Um, but in that moment, this muteness was incredibly paralyzing. Um, the fear that came from what I was experiencing paralyzed me as well. And so that then translates for me that when I want to step into using my voice, the mute, muting part becomes this binding up, this um, like this, this bondage and duct tape over my mouth in such a, in a spiritual way. Um, that I'm not able um, to speak. And so in recognizing all of this, um, you would think that I would be way more um, vocal and out there, but it's a, it's a work in progress. Hey, Lara, so good to have you on the podcast today with me. Thanks for having me, Claire. <laughs> uh, thanks for doing this so late in the evening for you. And I really appreciate the sacrifice of you being here. Of course. <laughs> cool. Right. So we're going to dive in very quickly here. Lara, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you have been an um, indie Christian singer songwriter for. All right. Let's see. I started when I was 16 mm -hmm. and it's been 21 years. <laughs> so everyone knows. How long I've been doing this. 
<laughs> well, you've been doing this for 21 years. I just want to sit down and take notes then. So I'm taking notes. Oh, you're kind. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, what have you learned along the way in these 21 years? So, well, there were a lot of changes along the way. I started as a teenager. During the time I was living in Kansas City, I was playing in the International House of Prayer, the IHOP. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. I have. I have, right. My girl. Oh, I love right. her. <laughs> so Missy was, yeah, they had just started 20, the 24-hour, seven-day circle uh, when we moved there. Um, so that had a big influence on my songwriting, just the way, you know, it's kind of, like writing out of your diary kind mm -hmm. of songwriting. Um, but it was also, um, I wrote a lot of songs just in private that never saw the light of day. Mm -hmm. And then I started um, in church, you know, whenever I felt like the spirit um, nudged me to do it, I would go up to the pastor after his sermon and say, hey, I feel like I have a song Wow. Would go with your uh, preaching. Uh, would you like me to share it? And usually he said yes. Wow. And, <laughs> and I was very afraid every single time. I can tell you, my hands would freeze and sweat at the same time. I would play the piano and sing my song. Uh, but people kept telling me it's a blessing and they would just uh, hear God in it. So that's kind of how I practically. I ran with it for quite a while. Yeah, and then I recorded two records. And recently I did, like two years ago, I did my third uh, record. And I would mm -hmm. just take my CD with me wherever I would lead worship. So mm -hmm. that's, wow. yeah. Wow. And what have you learned about yourself along the way? Hmm. Uh, I guess to be brave, to, <laughs> to make it very short, but um, I think um, producing art and then producing art in church, that's quite a special place. It has a, you know, we have our goal set to something like our eyes are focused on something when we write a song. Mm. So it's not so much about us when we write it. We want to represent God or we want to, you know, focus on a new side of him um, and want to use new words. So there can be quite a lot of pressure when you're thinking about writing a good, proper song, right? right. Um, not be self, what is the word, um, like insecure about it. It's very easy to be insecure about a lot of things in songwriting. <laughs> that takes me to song releasing. What about handling song releasing and the practicalities of promotions and just how much money goes into the process and the fact that you may not always see those returns. So what has that been like for you in your experience? So with the CDs, it was a little bit easier to make money just because, you know, you, when you sell a record, you get a good price for the product. Mm -hmm. Practical. If you re release it online, 
um, Spotify pays really badly. Um, as we it, it pays, I think, for for 10 streams, it pays like 0 0.003 cents. So mm -hmm. it's like you will mm -hmm. never ever get your production costs back in for one song. But because of COVID, I decided uh, last year I will I want to try this journey of getting my music uh, out online. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. Um, and I would say, yes, it is different than, you know, being on the road with the CD, but I have hope, <laughs> you know, if you stay disciplined, um, that at one point, hopefully it will, you know, you, you come out even, and at one point you actually earn money. But I think that's quite a way for an artist without a label to reach that goal. So how do you stay motivated knowing that you may never break even or breaking even it might take a long, 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 long time. And of course, production costs are not getting cheaper. They are soaring. And of course, there's marketing costs, right? Because you want to have produced, right? So how do you manage that? those expectations and or the disappointments right and mm -hmm. then continue with that journey mm. well one thing helps i have a very generous husband so he supports me <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh, that's him in the background um, um but i mean that's true i you know, if you're an artist and you actually have to live from the money that comes in, that's a totally different story, right? So mm. I know artists here in Germany, uh, like Christian artists, that call up every church to ask if they, if they can play a concert. You know, yeah. for, for me as a mom, that's just not practical. It, it just doesn't work in my life at the moment. So how to stay motivated? Um, you know, I thought about that a lot. And sometimes I say, maybe I just quit songwriting, but it just doesn't work. Every morning, you will see me right there. So I can't help it. I, there's just output. I will just continue writing. Um, but um, for this year, actually, I set myself a goal. I will do three more releases coming up. I have, so the next song that's coming out, March 11th, spoiler alert is uh, i will be i will feature kim walker smith so that's my next song coming out can't wait <laughs> so I, I i i said i will do three more releases and i will then look at the numbers and see if i want to continue recording songs on that level where i'm recording them right now or if i can you know change anything to reach the goal of covering the costs better so we'll see. Uh, you know, another friend of mine told me maybe that's just your expensive hobby, Lara. <laughs> it can be, but yeah. in the long run, you know, it should even out a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love the fact that you talked about the reality of it being an expensive hobby, but where does the faith perspective and and the eternal perspective and doing this for Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, I'm in to play in all of that um, yeah. story for you. Yeah, so I think, you know, 
on one level, we talk about success in numbers and in the earnings we get, right? But then there are a lot of other levels uh, where you can talk about success too or about it being worth doing it. Mm. Um, so even like like the song with Kim, for example, when I asked her if you know, she would sing on my song, she said, sure, why not? And like, I didn't believe it. I said, why would you do that? <laughs> you know, I'm a small independent artist from Germany. <laughs> you are too kind. But for me, you know, that's, that's quite a miracle that I get, you know, to, to, to um, release a song with an artist who is absolutely amazing. She's very sweet and generous person. Um, so, you know, there are aspects of that. I just released another song with a guy from Ghana. I've never met in person. I met him on Instagram and wow. um, he has like the most amazing voice. And when I heard him, when I heard his recording, I basically fell off my chair. So, you know, to, to get to do that, um, I would say, the biggest thing is I take so much life out of it. Like I can, you know, yeah. I think God, the way he created creativity, it brings life to us. You can literally feel yeah. it. So, yeah. you know, when I, when I had my, heard my friend Emmanuel sing from Ghana, it was like, wow, like I can feel like everything God had, you know, has put into him and how precious that he shares it with me and that we, we can share the song with, you know, our community. So good. So how would you, um, for final thoughts, <laughs> encourage some, a creative, an artist, a songwriter, right? Who wants to continue doing this but can't pay the bills? It is expensive, right? Who how, can't pay the bills? What I would recommend? Who's struggling to pay the bills? Yes. Well, you, you know, I think there's no shame in failing. Mm -hmm. So you can try and you can, you know, if you really feel like you're called to do it, stick out and see how long you can do it. And if you come to the crossroad where you think you can't do it anymore, change something. You know, I, I, I'm working as a speech pathologist mm -hmm. and then I'm doing music. So it just takes the pressure off of me, you know, to earn money with it. Mm. But I think maybe someone has to answer that question. Who's like a full-time musician to do that. Um, I know how much they sacrifice to, to live that lifestyle, you know? So I admire that, but I'm also glad that, you know, I also have a job on the side. And uh, I can totally second that thought. I know that, uh, like you said, it's a very expensive hobby, but there is a sense of calling, you know, on, on that for me. And uh, the feedback I get makes it worth it. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the reality is that when it comes down to it, I'm glad that I have a day job, in quote, that pays uh, or, or contributes towards that or else it will be difficult. So 
um, I guess that is some wisdom for, for someone who might be considering what to do. Quitting of singing, for example, may not be the answer. And maybe there might be um, a middle ground that you can find, like we've both have had to find. And I know that there are a lot of people um, in our songwriting community also do other things in order to support right? right? So that's just one reality about our lives as singer-songwriters. Right. Thank you so much, Lara, for sharing your, your thoughts and your wisdom with us today. Oh, and it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Claire. Thank <laughs> you. All right. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Trust you enjoyed that conversation with Stacy and with Claire. Great insight and wisdom from these girls that carry so much of the heart of gather and and have for the last few years we are so grateful for every team member at gather every volunteer if you are looking for a place to serve in the nation of canada and what god is doing amongst his girls and consider your place in the gather story and for those that are interested in the gather voices coaching cohort then go to gatherwomen.com search for gather voices we have information nights we have opportunities to connect where we can answer questions and we launch together in june guest coaches from all over the world will be joining us over the next six months and it all culminates in gather rise in november on canadian soil and we would love you to be a part of this story so thanks for listening today praying over your voice and your story and your place in kingdom come we love you girls